Okay, so we want to welcome you to our Bible study for 325.07. And uh, we're going to go over quite a few different things today. In fact, I hardly know where to start. Just want to first touch on a couple current events that were in just my local newspaper this week, probably in your local newspaper as well. And um, one was in New Jersey and one was in Oregon. And, and these these articles, the reason I cut them out and I'm going over them is these articles were side by side in our local newspaper. And one was in New Jersey where the title was in Mount Laurel, New Jersey, 219 gay couples apply to unite in their in the first month. And it says at least 219 gay couples applied to join in civil unions during the first month the legal institution was available in New Jersey. So in other words, now they've got civil unions available for gay couples and the legal benefits of marriage. And it's not just merely a title anymore. And, you know, the, the thing that uh, I think about, and especially when our own government, it says it right, right here, um, the, the Supreme Court upheld this. So when you have a government upholding this in a country, basically making sodomy, putting the veneer on it, that it's a legitimate thing, that it's a wonderful thing, that, that it's that it's equal with a heterosexual marriage, and that's making a mockery of God's institution. And you think, you harken back to Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, and... and and that, you know, I wonder if they had got to that point, they probably had in Sodom and Gomorrah, but how much farther could we be off? And if, if Sodom and Gomorrah received judgment, why, why do we think we're any different in this country? It's, it's just not going to happen. Now, God is merciful, and He is long-suffering, there's no doubt about it, because I think we, we really deserve to be judged in this country a long time ago. If you look at all that's going on with the abortion industry and the sodomy and, and these things... Uh, but it, it's uh, it's pretty sobering. And then right next to it, in Oregon, you have biology teacher fired over Bible references. So we got in one state, they're condoning gay marriage. The, the Supreme Court's upheld this. You've got all these, these gay people getting married. And then, and then in Oregon, you've got... Uh, it says that during his eight days as a part-time high school biology teacher, Chris... Hempelstein included Bible, biblical references and material he provided to students and gave a PowerPoint presentation that made links between evolution, Nazi Germany, and Planned Parenthood. Well, this is all true. It's like our educational system in this country is don't confuse me with my facts, my mind's made up. That's basically how our educational system works uh, with the major colleges and the high schools and the curriculum that our, that our children are being brainwashed into. It's not right to speak truth. As the Bible says, truth is perished in the streets. And this man made, made um, I'd like to shake this guy's hand, he made links between evolution, Nazi Germany, and Planned Parenthood. We've done that here in this very Bible study. I've seen, there's huge documentaries on this. It's not a point of, of subjective debate. These are facts. Hitler was, was absolutely steeped in the occult. One of his main people that influenced him was Charles Darwin who formulated the um, asinine theory of evolution. And that had a lot to do with Nazi Germany justifying the Holocaust of millions and millions and millions of people because they viewed the Jews as the lowest caste in society. They viewed them on the evolutionary scale a notch above apes. That's exactly how they viewed them. 
That's how they justified killing them because they believed they were an inferior race that had to be eliminated. Okay? So see, when you get into that playing God thing, and uh, you can look at other races and say, oh, they got to go. I mean, we're doing them a favor because we, the strong need to survive the Aryan... Well, that's, that, that did happen. And that is a big reason that Planned Parenthood ended up starting for that very reason. Margaret, Margaret Sanger, I believe, was the one that started that, and, and she was about as reprobate of a person as you could ever possibly believe uh, if you study her out. And Planned Parenthood is, is, is the reason that you know we've got you know over 40 million, or a big reason we've got over 40 million abortions since Roe versus Wade in America. And then you have all that innocent blood crying out from the land. And if Abel's blood cried out from the land. When Cain killed him, and that was just one person, what about, and he was a grown adult, what about 40, oh, 40 million plus babies, their little innocent blood for crying out from the land, they never even saw the light of day. They were killed in the womb. How much more of an abomination is that in God's eyes? When Jesus said it were better, in regard to little children, it says it were better if a millstone were hung about your neck and you'd be cast into the midst of the sea than for you to offend one of these little ones. How, how much more of an abomination is that in God's eyes on a little innocent baby who can't even protect himself? I can't even imagine. At least Abel was a grown man. So I think you've almost got a different dynamic taking place. Child sacrifice being probably the highest abomination, I believe, in the Lord's eyes. I mean, you could say a lot about sodomy, but sodomy is typically, or, or homosexual behavior, um, is typically between two consenting males. Now, then you get into pedophilia, and then that's a whole other story. I don't know on God's scale how he views everything, but sin is sin, and these are some of the most grievous sins. I think we could all agree on that. So, but when this man did this, it says that was enough for this school board to fire the teacher on Monday night for deviating from the curriculum on the theory of evolution. Isn't it great how, how we only get one side of the story in the schools? We're just getting that brainwashing side. We're not getting, a, there's no balance because they know that under the light of scrutiny of the word of God, of the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, of the pure word of God, that evolution would basically get destroyed. That sort of the spirit would destroy that theory. And they can't have any competition with evolution because it's doing a good job for the devil of taking millions and millions and millions of kids to hell. Because they think that way. I, I ultimately ended up coming from a rock. Because they say, oh, no, no, it's from an ape. Well, where did the ape come from? Well, how does it all really start out? Well, first you have the Bing Bang. Okay? And then you have... We have some primordial planet Earth where the rain rained down on the rocks for millions and millions of years and formed some primordial soup and out of that primordial soup formed a two-cell amoeba and that amoeba eventually sprouted gills and then out of that, that gill um, fish or whatever eventually sprouted legs, came on land, became an amphibian and then somehow it evolved into an, a monkey and an ape and then somehow that came to us. Give me a break! Man! I, I can't, I mean, what an asinine theory. And it is a theory, that's all it is. I would just rather believe, yea, hath God said. In seven days, God created the earth. That seems, that doesn't seem, that is so much more plausible than any other explanation you could possibly ever set forth. The earth is way too complex. Just the earth alone, if you look at it. Just being the exact right distance from the sun. 
being on a rotational axis where, where, the, where the earth is tilted, which gives us our seasons, the 24-hour day cycle, there's just enough oxygen on this planet to keep us alive and breathe. I mean, there, there's, there's food. That, how can you explain all this? You can't. It just couldn't have ever happened, ever. If you took a Rolex watch and took it all apart and shook it in a box, how many millions of years would you have to shake that box where it finally becomes a Rolex watch? It would never, ever happen. Yet, what they're asking us to believe is so much more even unbelievable than that theory I just uh, put before you. Because a Rolex watch in complexity is nothing compared to the human body, just alone. So, um, anyway, I just wanted to touch on those two current events. Another thing that's really, really, really heating up now is Christian Zionism. Oh, yeah. Christian Zionism, which is really a, a, uh, a misnomer, it's, it's a contradiction of terms, because you can't be a Jew, a practicing Jew, and a practicing Christian. You've got to choose this day whom, God, whom which God you will serve. And I understand that Jesus was a Jew, and the prophets were Jewish, and the apostles were Jewish, and this is how the gospel came to And I'm not discounting that one bit. And I love the Jews, and I want them to get saved. But they got to get saved the same way we've got to get saved. This is what I'm going to be just touching on here for a second, because there's a movement afoot that basically says in Christianity that the Jews get a free, get-out-of-jail-free card pass. They don't got to worry about hell because they're Jewish. It's their blood. That's all that matters. Well, if that's the case, then the Bible says not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. It's not by anything we've done. It's not by my lineage, or by me being a good person, or doing this or doing that, that I get saved. You're saved, for you're saved by grace through faith, faith in Jesus Christ, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, most Jews are not going, trying to get to heaven through Jesus Christ. In fact, they despise Jesus Christ. In fact, if you ever read pieces of, of particularly the Babylonian Talmud, which is even a better version, I mean, it, it's not even as blasphemous as the Kabbalah, but of course the, the Talmud is about as blasphemous as you could get, which is one of the main... Jewish rabbinical commentaries that they base their faith on, in Orthodox Judaism, you should hear what they say about Jesus in there. I'm not even going to repeat what they say. They call him everything you could possibly call him in that in the Babylonian Talmud. So and then you have the Kabbalah, which is even the, the, the highest form of uh, Jewish mysticism witchcraft. So you've got all that going on in that faith. Now you can't be mixing all that together. And this is what we're getting into here with, with a lot of the, uh, the so-called Christians. They're wanting to do anything in the world to yoke up with the Jews. It doesn't matter if they're not doctrinally on the same page. It, none, of that's, none of this matters to them. They're willing to overlook all of this and get unequally yoked, which the Bible forbids... In 2 Corinthians 6.14, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what communion hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and Christ with Belial, and with a believer and an unbeliever. 
And then it says, Wherefore come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now that's verse 17. So the Bible's very, very clear on what you have to do as a Christian. You do not want to yoke yourself up with somebody that's in a false religion. And I'm, I hate to say this, but the Jews are in a false religion. They are. Just like every other religion, based on works or whatever that you have to do, do, do. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a free gift you freely receive, or you either freely reject. Most freely reject it. How do I know that? Because the Bible says, narrow is the way that leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. It's a narrow path. And few there be that find it. Most people reject that free gift. To me, I think it's the best deal in the universe. But most people, they want to do it their way, like Frank Sinatra, you know. So anyway, um, Galatians 3, 26-29 says, For you are all children of God by faith in Christ. Now, that's the thing. that, that They think they're grandfathered in as children of God, the Jews. Or, or at least this is what the Christians are telling them. But it says, you're all children of God. How? By faith in Jesus Christ. Remember, you're saved by grace through faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, this is how we garner faith. Okay, then it says, continuing in Galatians 3.26-29, it says, For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Hmm. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Jesus Christ. So it says in the Bible, in Galatians, in the New Testament, that there's neither Jew nor Greek. It says that. If you are baptized into the body of Christ, okay, if, if you are saved, if you are born again, saved Christian, you become part of the body of Christ. In that body, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. Male or female. For you are all one in Jesus Christ. That's what they're not getting. This is this is the thing that's absolutely lacking from this supposed um, Hebrew Roots movement, Messianic Judaism, Christian Zionism movement, which I believe is an absolute abomination from the pit of hell and part of the great end time delusion and deception that is absolutely upon us that God said he was going to send in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 where he promised that God would send the strong delusion that they would believe a lie. Who? All them that believed uh, that loved not the truth. you got to love the truth. Most people don't love the truth. They want to love what they want to love. And what they want to love is their own little man-made religion that they want to conjure up or, or go by some man that's basically telling them and they're not seeking these things out of the Bible. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay, so this is something that we need to be doing in act. In, in, in the Bible also says in Acts that the, um, the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? Because they sought these things out in the scriptures to be, see if they were true. And they did it daily. So, in other words, it's getting into the Bible, the King James Bible, the true word of God, and searching these things out to see if they're true. And if they contradict when a man is telling you whether he's got 42 degrees behind his name, I really can care less. I really don't. Now, 
if he's going to use those degrees for the glory of God, that's fine. But I don't see that commonly being done. I don't. I see it's like the more degrees they get, the more puffed up they get. The Bible says knowledge puffeth up. What would be a remedy for that? Getting, for them getting puffed up? Humility. They need fear of the God and they need, they need humility. Now, if they had fear of God, the humility would come. It's a byproduct. That's why the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, the angel of the Lord, and keep up the round about them that fear Him. So, the fear of God takes care of so many things, but it's not present in the body of Christ, especially in America, for the most part. There's no fear of God. It's just the love of God. Oh, he's just, you know, they refer to him as the big guy in the sky, and this type of stuff, and he's my, he's my buddy and all. No, you know, you need to have reverence and fear of God. And it's not happening. Therefore, because the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and there's no fear of God, there's very little wisdom in the churches. True wisdom. Oh yes, they may have book knowledge, and a lot of that book knowledge is false. A lot of it goes against the Bible. Well, people say, well, how do you know what to believe? And all this? I just believe the Word of God. You have to stake your standards. You have to stake what you believe in on something. And with the way the, men, the doctrine of men and all these things change, and, and the, the, like the Bible says, blown about with every wind of doctrine. The Bible says in Amos, it says that in the end times, many will run to and fro, um, seeking the words of God. It also says that in Daniel 12.4, he told Daniel to see, he said, seal up the sun, they all Daniel. Um, basically, that in the end times, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge will increase. So many are going to run, many right now are running to and fro. And knowledge is increasing, okay, via the internet and things of this nature. But so much of that knowledge is false. It's, it's deception. It's, it's, not, it's not based on the word of God. So you have to be able to discern, you know, what is truth and what's not. So then it says, if you be Christ, this is going back to Galatians, if you be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Wow, now that is awesome, that takes care of everything right there. If ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed. To Abraham were the promises made. Well, I am Abraham's seed, okay, but it's a spiritual thing, okay, it's not a bloodline thing anymore, it's a spiritual thing so that's all I need to know, I don't need to put the the, the, um, the Jews on some kind of special pedestal because of their bloodline I, I don't have to do that because I know if I'm Christ I am Abraham's seed and, and heirs according to the promise, period that's what the word of God says Colossians 3, 1-11 says if Ye then be risen with Christ, in other words, if you're saved, because the Bible says that when you're saved, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. It also calls us kings and priests and things like that. Now, don't let your head get all big, but it does say these things. It says that we can come boldly before the throne of grace through the blood of Jesus Christ to make our petitions known. We could not do that before. Because we did not have the Holy Spirit living inside us before we were saved. And prior to Jesus coming, and that temple veil being lit from, from top to bottom, we did not have access to the Holy of Holies like we do now. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside us. At that point, the Holy Spirit dwelt on the, on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. When that temple was rent, the Holy Spirit, now it dwells in us. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's why we don't need that Ark of the Covenant anymore. In, in, in order to do this. I kind of got off on a tangent there, but that, but that is true. 
So it says, If then ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Praise the Lord. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew. Circumcision or uncircumcision. That, that's just another confirmation of Greek or Jew, because the circumcision always refers to the Jewish race in the Bible. Barbarian, Scythian, bond or free. But Christ is all and in all. So see, where, where Christ sits on the right hand of God, there is neither Jew nor Greek. It, he's not looking at that anymore. Now, I'm not saying that during the tribulation, the emphasis is not going to go back to the Jew. I'm not saying that. But they are. the Bible says blindness in part has happened to the Jew, this is in the New Testament, until the fullness of the Gentile come in. Okay, so right now they're blind in part. Not to say that there's no Jews that are not saved, because there are some that are. It says in part. But that blindness in part, the majority of the Jews are still blind. They are going to accept the Masonic Antichrist that is going to arise and probably, most likely, confirm a covenant between them and the other Middle Eastern nations and probably the world. They are going to accept that. They are going to initiate temple sacrifices. Now, if, if, if they were right with God, if they were right with Jesus Christ, why would they initiate temple sacrifices? Well, how do you know they're going to implement temple sacrifices? Because it says in Daniel 9.27 that when the Antichrist arises, that he's going to go into the temple and commit the abomination of desolation, where he's going to proclaim himself to be God, and then it says in the oblations and the sacrifices will cease. Well, there had to be a temple, and there had to be oblations and sacrifices going on in the temple for them to cease. Had to happen. So, I know this is going to happen. Do you, do you think that, that, that God would be pleased for us to build a temple and start sacrificing uh, uh, goats and, and sheep and things like that, and, and, and all the things they sacrifice? That's an abomination. That's saying as though the blood of Jesus Christ was not enough to atone for our sins. That's an abomination. What are you trying to do? You're trying to crucify the, God, the Son of God afresh, as the Bible says? So, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we've already said that for grace, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, the other gospel of John Hagee, okay, this is, this is the other gospel of John Hagee. I said all that to say this. Careful evaluation of the teachings of John Hagee, pastor of the San Antonio-based Cornerstone Church, reveals false teaching and a defective view of a basic and essential issue regarding salvation and the gospel. Hagee preaches another way of salvation for the Jew, which is a direct violation of Paul's warnings in Galatians 1, 6-9. Well, let's just, let's just go there real quick. Galatians 1. Because I, I would rather the Word of God speak than me. I mean, we can, we can expound on it. But let's just see clearly what the scripture states. But see, people in these movements are not reading their Bibles. Are not, not reading them properly. They're not reading the right version. Galatians 1, 6-9. Galatians 1, 6-9 says, I marvel that ye be so soon removed from him that called you under the grace of Christ unto another gospel. See, this is a grace that we've been given. It's a grace. Getting saved through Jesus Christ is a gracious thing for God to do to us. Don't you agree? I mean, it's a free gift. You freely receive or you freely reject. I can't really imagine a better deal as far as, okay, what are my alternatives? 
you know, burning in hell and then being cast in the lake of fire at the, ju- at the great white throne judgment, or life in heaven. Now granted, there's the judgment seat of Christ, that's a whole other story there. But, there's no comparison between the two. Okay, and this is why he says, I marvel. I marvel, and this is Paul, to the Galatian church, that you're so soon removed from him that's called on you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Now, if anybody's out there doubting what I'm saying, just really, what I would challenge you to do is read the book of Galatians thoroughly. King James Version, read it thoroughly. And if you need to read it more than once, read it more, highlight it. Do whatever you've got to do. That book, if you could come and read the book of Galatians, just the book of Galatians alone. Now, you could go to a lot of other places in the Bible, in Romans and in Hebrews and a lot of other places, and still think that the Jewish religion is the way to go, and that you're, you're going to get saved by works, then you're really in delusion, because it's so clearly laid out. I don't understand how people can get into the whole... Messianic Judaism, Hebrew Roots Movement, Christian Zionism thing, and stay in it unless they're just totally not reading the Bible, read the wrong Bible, but see what they do. Oh, well, you know, that, that Bible you're reading is really not the Word of God. You, you need a Hebrew Bible. You, 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 you need the, the Jerusalem Bible or whatever. And, and you know something? Even then, you know, it's, it's the only thing you really need to go by is the Torah. Well, if all I had to go by is the Torah, I'd be I'd be damned to go to hell. I'm sorry. I would be. Because, although Jesus Christ is implied in the Torah, He had not come to the earth and died for our sins at this point. How would we get saved? Am I going to go back to the sacrificial system? That's all I'd have to go by. I'd have to go back to the Levitical law. Yeah, I would be doing that if all I had to go by is the Torah. But see, this is why devil, the devil has done this. He sought to basically cut out large chunks for doubt on other parts of, of particularly the whole New Testament so that we don't even look at it or go by. Oh, oh the, really, the, the guys that really know the real deal are, are, the, are the old-time rabbis. No, they're not. They're, they're, they're men just like anyone else. And if you read the Babylonian Talmud, the Jerusalem, I think it's the Jerusalem Talmud, the Kabbalah, those are the most, some of the most blasphemous books you'll ever lay eyes on. What they would say about Jesus Christ. It's witchcraft. It's what it is. It's witchcraft. It's what they base so much of what they do off. And they actually view the Talmud as a higher authority than the scriptures. Did you know that? They do. They view the Talmud, the, the, the rabbinical commentary. That's all the Talmud is. It's rabbinical commentaries. Well, how did we get the Talmud? Well, after they crucified Jesus... And Jesus predicted not one stone would be left on another in Jerusalem. They had to flee. They had to go. Where did they go? They went back to Babylon. Do you know that? The Jews, the, the, the religious Pharisees and Sadducees, fled back to Babylon. Well, why would they go there? Well, that's where they came out of, isn't it? Remember when Nebuchadnezzar take, took them into captivity a long time ago? Well... That's where they went back to, because that's where they picked up a lot of their false religion. Don't think it didn't affect them. You cannot be in a society like that and not have it affect you. I mean, unless you're going to be like Daniel, and, and basically cordon yourself off and not be unequally yoked. He was one of the few that did it, obviously. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those guys. But, so, this is where they went back to, and this is where the Babylonian Talmud was written. So, anyway, that's a whole other study. But, 
if we if we uh, if we look at this, it says then. Getting back to this, I marvel that you be so soon removed. And this is Galatians one, verse six. So soon removed from him that called you into the gospel, in, called you into the grace of Christ, unto another gospel. See, if you think about it, that's all, all what all other religions are. They're, they're offering some other gospel. They're offering some other supposed good news. It's not good news. It's false good news. Because that's what the gospel means, good news. Verse 7. Which is not another. Because it's not. It's a counterfeit. But there be some that trouble you that would pervert the gospel of Christ. Well, that's what we're getting with Christian Zionism with the Hebrew Roots Movement, with Messianic Judaism. We're getting a perversion of the Gospel of Christ. Because it's not the Gospel. It's something different. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other Gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Oh, you can't curse people. The Bible says, let him be accursed. I'm not saying go around cursing people. I'm saying, the Bible says, if somebody is preaching a gospel that's contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ, then it says, let him be accursed. Do you know how many people are walking around accursed? Because the Bible says, let him be accursed. What if, you, what if you're in the Hebrew Roots Movement? Are you, are you putting yourself under a curse? You're going by another gospel. You're promoting another gospel. You're living another gospel. Well, I'm not preaching it. Well, what are you living your life by? Is that what you're basing your belief system off? It's an abomination in the sight of God. Is what it is. You can't really get much higher of a condemnation than the word of God saying, let him be accursed. That's pretty bad. And then he says it again in verse 9. As we have said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, that ye have received, let him be accursed. Wow. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Then it says in verse 10, For do I now persuade men, or God? Or do I seek to please men? See, that's the problem. People, people have this fear of man. They want to please men. But they don't want to really please God. So their life ends up, ends up being lived lived in some type of false religion, which is more pleasing and palatable to men. Who cares about men? I mean, I want them to go to heaven and everything, but you can't live your life to please men. There's no way you're, you're going to do it. I mean, the gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive. The Bible says it's offensive to them that are perishing. And it's foolishness to them. Well, how do they get saved? They have to get saved through the wooing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to do the work. You can't save somebody. The Holy Spirit has to do the work. And that's why it's important to pray and these types of things because you can't... The Bible says, Jesus said that I am the vine and you are the branches and without me you can do nothing. So you have to be connected to the vine in order for the branch to work. And the branch can work, the Holy Spirit can work through that branch, but you've got to be connected to the vine, you've got to be saved. Says And then it goes on to say, For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Well, the Bible says, He that is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That's Jesus said that, I believe, in the Gospels. So, 
says, if I, if I try to please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. How much of an indictment is that on most preachers? I'm not saying everyone, I'm saying most. The typical preacher in America. What, what's their motivation? To please men. Why? Well, so they're not hated, but what's one of the big, big reasons? Money. Well, prestige, look at me. Oh, he's just such a wonderful pastor. He, he doesn't preach on hell. He wouldn't do that. He, he, he doesn't preach against, against... He doesn't mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. He doesn't do any of that. Oh, no. No. He, doesn't, he, wouldn't, want to, he wouldn't want to offend anybody. He doesn't call a wolf in sheep's clothing a wolf in sheep's clothing. He just kind of ignores that. You know, we, we wouldn't want to offend anybody. We wouldn't want to judge because the Bible says, Judge not lest ye be judged. Well, yeah, but the Bible also says, He who is spiritual judgeth all things. And it does say to mark them. And Paul did mark them. Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord will reward him according to his works. He also said, uh, Hymaeus and Demas hath, hath forsaken me for this present day world. He says, The Cretans are always liars and slow bellies. Wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be found sound in the faith. Those are three different areas. Paul marked Marked and marked. And, and uh, what are you going to say about Paul? Oh, well, he wasn't a man of God? <sighs> Show me anybody who suffered more for the cross of Christ, saved Jesus Christ, than Paul. I mean, my word, that, that guy was, you know, he paid a serious price. And, and, you know, ultimately ended up being martyred. Are you, I mean, how could you judge a person if, if you haven't even walked in their shoes? And I mean, who's walked in Paul's shoes? So, um... There's just a lot to look at here that um, that's just not being really preached in the churches anymore. And now I'm just going to see if there's any... And then verse 11 says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. See, all these other doctrines are man-made that we're getting into here. If people would really check their Bible out and know their Bible, they would understand that it's a gospel of man. Well, how could they know that? Well, because if you compare what anyone is telling you to the Bible and it doesn't line up, then it's a gospel of man. Okay? It's real easy. It's black and white. Verse 12. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it. But by revelation of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ was the one that revealed this to Paul. Verse 13. For you have heard of my conversation in the time past of the Jews' religion. Now, where will religion get you most of the time? To hell. Religion is the number one reason that most people end up going to hell. Because there, most people believe in some religion, but it's some false religion. So anyway, I'm going to stop there uh, because I think we've made a point on that. And we're going to, I'm just going to continue with this other gospel of John Hagee. We're going to go back to this article. It says, this theological concept, now this theological concept of where, of where um, Pastor Hagee and Christian Zionism and the Messianic Jews have this theology that, oh, the Jews get a get, a, uh, get out of jail card free pass. And, I, and when, I, when I say that, I'm going back to the board game Monopoly, where there's a where there's a where there's a uh, little thing that you can land on with your game piece that it's a get out of jail free card. Okay, that's what they believe the Jews have about heaven they, or hell. They get out of, they get out of a, a hell free card pass because they're Jews and that's their lineage and that's their birthright and they deserve it and they can live like the devil and they can do whatever they want to do. And they can reject Jesus Christ and say all kind of blasphemous things, but they still get to go to heaven. Give me a break! 
If that's true, then the gospel of God is of none effect. Because then God is not impartial anymore. The Bible says God is no respecter of persons. Well, if that were the case, He would be a respecter of persons. And God is not a liar. He cannot lie. In fact, the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. So, we know that can't be true. This theological concept, which has many forms, is primarily referred to as a two-covenant or dual-covenant covenant theology. This is where, okay, Christians who are not of Jewish birthright have to get saved like the Bible says. You're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In John 14, 6. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 14, 6. So now that's how we've got to get saved. Okay. But the Jews, no, they don't got to go by those rules. Oh, they got their own special rule book. They got their own special rule book. This is called dual covenant or two covenant theology. So everybody's clear on this. Hagee's website tells us that, that his vision for world evangelism, that, that his vision for world evangelism, the burning passion of his heart, is to win the lost to Jesus Christ in America and around the world. That statement is not altogether true since he will not evangelize Jews and teach his salvation on another basis than the gospel for the Jewish people. God's no respecter of persons. Let's just read what Philippians 3, 2 through 8 says. Let's see. Philippians 3, 2 through 8. Now, I could do so many more. I'm not doing a whole Bible study on this today. We're just doing, I'm just covering a couple brief things. There's so much more. Can you ask me something? There's so much more that we could go into with this. And I actually have covered this in previous sessions. And I'm, I'm going to be getting all my other messages up on the internet as soon as I can. I've just been really busy lately. But if we read Philippians 3, 2-8, through it says, Beware of dogs. This is what the Bible refers to. Me. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Ooh, what's the concision? Well, let's look to see what the concision means. Now, when I look up a, a, a word in the King James Bible, I like to look up what does that word mean in the context of which it was written? Because our modern day vernacular, many times, when it defines these words, it's not accurate. Like the word charity, for example. Charity in the Bible is really the highest embodiment and expression of love. Really what charity is, is all of the fruits of the Spirit combined into one. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance. All these kind of combined into one. And that's why the Bible says, above all, seek charity. For charity covereth the multitude of sins. Now, Charity is the full embodiment of this. In the, 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 the dictionary where you get the proper definition of charity is the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Noah Webster's 1828. Now you can go online and if you do a keyword search for Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary, there's actually a, um, a little, um, there's a program up there where you can type in the word and it'll pop it back to you. Okay, what it means. And what the reason I use that dictionary is because when the King James Bible was written, these were the way the words were defined. Okay, so, the word concision in the Webster's 1820 dictionary means literally a cutting off. Hence, in scripture, the Jews are those who adhere to circumcision. 
Okay, remember I said before, the circumcision always refers to the Jews? Well, when we refer to the concision, we're in reference to the Jews, or those who adhere to the circumcision, which after our Savior's death, was no longer a seal of the covenant. Now this is Webster's 1828 saying this. But a mere cutting of the flesh, that's all it meant. It, it wasn't, before it was a seal of the covenant that was instituted right when no, actually, um, God had told Moses to do this, and Moses hadn't done it to his kid, and he almost lost, I think he almost lost his own life, as he was going into Egypt to deal with Pharaoh. And was it Miriam that, yeah, I think Miriam threw the foreskin or something, it, 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 was, it wasn't pretty, it wasn't pretty. You can look that up in, in the life of Moses in the Bible, I believe in um, Exodus. So, the concision is in reference to the circumcision to which the Jews adhered to and are still adhering to to this day. And again, it's not by works of righteousness that we are saved, but according to His mercy saved. These are things where we're not saved by works. We're not saved by cutting of the flesh, being a good person, following a particular religion, keeping the seven sacraments, keeping the Sabbath. All these things don't save us. Because if that saved us, then the work that Christ did on the cross is of none effect. So it says, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ. It says, for we are the circumcision. See, we're, we're, it's like we're spiritually grafted in. And the Bible talks about that in Romans. It says that we are, we are the wild olive branch grafted in to the natural. Okay, that's what that's how the Bible refers to Christians that are not Jews as a wild olive branch that has been grafted in. And then it says, boast not against the, the true branches. For if God removed them, he can remove you as well. So it's not something we want to go around and boast against the Jews. I'm not boasting against the Jews today. I want them to get saved. I love them enough to tell them the truth. And what I'm telling them here is the truth. There's no there's no other way. There's only one way. So it says, we, we are the circumcision. Now, doesn't that just line up with what we just read about where it says that we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise? There's neither bond nor Jew. There's neither Jew nor Greek. That we are all part of the body of Christ. If we're saved through Jesus Christ, through His shed blood, through His death, burial, and resurrection, believing that He sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty, ever maketh any, ever making intercession for the saints. Is that what our faith is based on? Well then, we are the circumcision in God's eyes. We are the chosen people. Because at one time the Jews were that. Okay? And I'm not saying the emphasis is not going to go back to the Jews during the tribulation. But right now, blindness in part has happened to them until the fullness of the Gentile come in. Well, that means until the fullness of the Gentiles get saved. And then most likely that's going to be around the same time the tribulation starts and the emphasis is going to go more so go back to the Jew. And their eyes are going to slowly be opened to what they've done. So it says, we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in, in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now see, all these other religions all have confidence in the flesh. Every one of them. That's what they're basically... It's basically works-based religion. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. Now, this is Paul. I more. Now, this is Paul's pedigree and lineage. If, this, if anybody could have confidence in the flesh, Paul would have been the one, as far as a Jew goes, Paul would have been the quintessential poster bullet essence of this. So he says, 
If any man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, an Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. See, all these things that he had supposedly gained, he counted them as loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He lost everything, basically, as a result of following Jesus Christ. Which actually is, we have to be, really is, is, a, is a potential requirement of following Christ, um, forsaking all. Now, I'm not saying everyone that, that ever got saved had to forsake every single thing. I mean, if you were saved in a Christian family, obviously that wasn't the case. But in his day and age, that's what was required. And it may be required of us in the future. Um, that's, that's God's business, not mine. And then he says, and I do count them but dung. Dung. He counts all the things he did with, with, the, with the pharisaical, pious, religious stuff that he did. He counts them all but Dung. For what? That I may win Christ. That's how he thought of it. That he was a Jew of Jews, Pharisee of Pharisees, the quintessential essence of what you would emu- want to emulate if you were a Jew, a male Jew particularly. Okay, that's what Paul says. So, if that's good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. And it's in the Word of God. And the Bible says the words of the Lord are pure words. A silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Where does it say that? Psalm um, 12, verse 6 and 7. So that's where we get that from. Now, here's another thing. Another article I've read this week. The reason I'm, I'm emphasizing this so much is because this is so much working into the current events we're going into right now. Listen to this. Now, this is John Hagee we were just talking about. And I think we've stated our case on Christian Zionism. Now, if you think what I went into there was a thorough rebuttal, it's not. I could go so much further, and, and I do plan on going into and delving into the whole Messianic Jew, Christian Zionism, whole thing, sometime in the near future. Literally, it's going to take weeks to do it. Because if you really want to search that thing out, there's so many ways you can rebut and refute. It's not even funny if you adhere to the Bible. Now, if you want to throw the Bible out the door, well then, you know, it's just your opinion. You know, I, I, why even bother? But if you want to debate scripture, if you want to debate scripture, it's very, very clear that this is a heresy and that it's not of God. Another article I received this week. Now, this was from a, uh, this was actually on, uh, these articles have been posted in secular media sources about, about um, John Hagee and these types of things. This says, uh, this is from um, Raiders News Network. Hagee. Hagee's point of view. This is what it's entitled. Zionism has awakened. 
American evangelical leader John Hagee took a powerful message of support for Israel to the American Public Affairs Committee 2007 policy in Washington, D.C. earlier this week. Quote, he says, I want to say this as clearly and as plainly as I can possibly say it, he emphasized, his booming voice filling the auditorium. Quote, Israel, you are not alone. There are 50 million Christians standing up and applauding the state of Israel. Now, I'm not saying we should turn against Israel. And I'm not saying that. Okay, so don't get me wrong on this. But, I am not going to stand up and applaud Israel. A nation like almost every other nation that abhors Jesus Christ, that has rejected and they were the main nation that did it. I'm sorry, they were. Why do you think blindness in part has happened to the Jew to the fullest of the Gentile come in? Was it not the Jews that said to Pilate, take away this Jesus Christ, give us Barabbas, who was a murderer, let his blood, meaning Jesus Christ's blood, be upon us, the Jews, and our children. Don't you think they might have put themselves under kind of a curse when they did that? I mean, come on. They asked for it. Okay? Does that mean I don't want them to get saved? No. And again, what are we doing here? I'm trying to give you balance. We've got some guys out there that are totally saying the Jews are all the synagogue of Satan. They're all evil. They're all terrible. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I think I think the people at the very, very top, I think the Bible that, that, that talks about the synagogue of Satan, yeah, I think they're real evil. I think the ones that adhere to the Kabbalah and the Talmud and, and, and reject Jesus Christ and call them all these blasphemous names, yeah, I think they're real stinking evil. I do. I do. But I'm not going to condemn the whole Jewish race. The Bible says they are still that the Jews are still beloved for the elect's sake. Okay? The Bible does say that, and it does say that I believe in Galatians. Okay? So again, let's have balance. Let's not go off on any one particular tangent or deep end. I'm not going to sit here and condemn the Jewish. I know the emphasis is coming back to them. I know it is. But I'm not going to sit up and applaud the state of Israel. I think they have a right to defend themselves against against the Middle East. I absolutely do. And yes, I do think that. Islam is one of the most highly abominable religions in the world. And I think that if, if, is, if the Islamics have serious rebuttal from, from the Israelis, I think they deserve whatever they're getting because, you know something, all I see is Israel, this little tiny sliver of land, and in, in the Islamic people over there wanting more and more and more and more of it. And the, in the Islamic people have clearly stated... Uh, Yasser Arafat stated this, the, 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 the um, Quran states this clearly, that they are to slay the infidel, that the only solution for Islam is total eradication of the Jews. So, don't get me wrong about this, because I don't want people up on the internet to be saying, oh, I'm, I'm against the Jews and all this other stuff. We need a balance, is my point. We need to do everything in light and in balance with Scripture. Okay, and when you get off into the Christian Zionism thing, you get off balance. That's the bottom line. I'm not just going to sit up and arbitrarily applaud the Jews, say, "Oh yes, they get a, they get a uh, get, get out of hell free card pass." I'm not going to do it. Going back to this article, it says Haggy, a pastor of the 18,000 member Cornerstone Church in San Antonio, Texas. I don't think we could get 18,000 in this room here. I don't know. Now I do got my plexiglass kind of pulpit clipboard. So I, I'm, I'm kind of on my way a little bit. But I don't have the globe like Smiley Joe Olston has yet in uh, my, my tithing kiosks. But we're working on it. We're, we're you know, we're, we're getting more progressive. I got the Christian rock band ordered for next week, Doug, so just so you know. Anyway. Um, you can be the lead drummer. 
yeah, you, we could have the drums in here too. Anyway, a little, little humor there. So, he's the founder, John Hankey's the founder of a newly formed national organization. I signed you up for this, Doug. Christians United for Israel repeatedly triggered standing ovations from the crowd. He says, Hagee says, it's a new day in America, he cried. The sleeping giant of Christian Zionism has been awakened. Millions of Christians across America consider the Jewish people the apple of God's eye. The chosen people a cherished people, end of quote. Doesn't that just fly in the face of all those Bible verses I just read out of the Bible? I don't care what John Hagee says. The Bible says that there is neither Jew nor Greek in God's eyes if you are saved. And that you are of Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise if you are saved. The Bible is very clear on that. That there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. And that you are saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So... The Jewish people, the apple of God's eye, yes, it does say that they are, they are beloved for the elect's sake, but they're still blind. And they still got to get saved the same way we do. The chosen people, you know who the chosen people are? The people that get saved. That's who the chosen people are, according to the Bible. Does that mean the emphasis is not going back to them during the tribulation? No, I'm not saying that. I do believe the emphasis is going back. But again, there's no balance here. And you know, these same people that are applauding the Jews and also are probably going to accept the Masonic Antichrist as well. Because they're going to follow the Jews. Whatever the Jews do, it's fine with me. Do you know Jerusalem is one of the most wicked places on the planet? As far as the perversion and stuff that goes on in that town? Do you know that Tel Aviv right now is the, is the gay capital of the world? That they have their annual Jewish gay day worldwide parade um, in Jerusalem. They've been trying to have it. God's blocked it, I believe, the last two years. It's an abomination. They have it there in Jerusalem, in, in Tel Aviv, and these things. So, <laughs> sin is sin. Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah. And then he goes on to say, These Christians standing with Americans, 5 million Jews on behalf of Israel, had a powerful potential to shape the future and were a match made in heaven. Well, the Bible says to be not unequally yoked together. With who? With unbelievers. It doesn't, it doesn't say, be yoked together unequally, not, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, except the Jews. It doesn't say that. The Bible is black and white. Okay? So, Anyway, I wanted to touch on that this week because I think it's important. It's one of the big, big, big time strong delusions that's coming. And what Hagee's doing, here's what Hagee's doing. Hagee's basically pressuring, I think it's all by design. He's putting a lot of pressure on Bush to, go, to nuke Iran. You realize that? Hagee is one of the biggest proponents right now saying, we've got to nuke them, we've got to nuke them. In fact, you know, I thought I had that in here. I wanted to go over that. But, maybe, I forgot that. But he's, he's been putting all this pressure on George W. to nuke Iran and to do all these things. And the thing that I thought when I read that is that, where's our faith at? We've got, to, we've got to go around nuking people? Who did, who did Jesus Christ ever tell to nuke or destroy? Where's our faith at? 
Hagee's saying right now, and this has been in the mainstream press, I mean, the, the quotes are there to prove it. He's saying that we have to nuke Iran preemptively or they're going to wipe us out. The Bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare. What is he fearing? Is he fearing God? Or is he fearing man? He's fearing man. Well, they're going to wipe us out. What is that? That's fear of man. That's not fear of God. There's no waiting on God. Where is the biblical mandate in the New Testament through Jesus Christ or through any of the apostles that we should be going around killing people? I'm sorry. I mean, I don't see it. We're, we're supposed to preemptively nuke people? And he's got, he's got so many millions of Christians believing him and following him. Hey, it feels right, man. It tickles the flesh. Yeah. It's an abomination in the sight of God. I'm telling you, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. So let's go a little bit further. Here's another current event. This was entitled, Luciferian Transmutation, Preparing All the People for the Antichrist and His Mark. Over 500 hospitals are now going to start implanting chips in their patients. You simply cannot get more of a mark of the beast. End of the age sign in this one. This was a news brief. This was from PRN Newswire. These are secular news sources. This isn't something that has a Christian bias. It says, Verichip passes significant milestone. Now, Verichip is the one that has the digital angel... Um, microchip that is probably the forerunner to the mark of the beast because it's, a, it's, a, it's an implantable injectable microchip that where you can identify patient and they inject it into people so that they can have all their information inside them and you can't lose it. Verichip passes a significant milestone. Over 500 hospitals have now agreed to adopt the Verimed patient identification system. This is how they, get, they condition us to accept the mark of the beast eventually. Okay, they don't just say, okay, we're just going to come out, everybody's going to get a mark in their right hand and forehead. Yeah, sign up, come on. They're not going to be that obvious. Satan's been doing this way too long and is way too intelligent to do And not only that, it's part of the strong delusion that's being sent by God that he's permitting to happen. God's, I hate to say it, but God is, it, you, have to, you have to view this with kind of mixed emotions because you can get mad at the devil, but God said he was going to do it. He said he was going to permit it to happen to all those that receive not the love of the truth. Well, I'm sorry. My children are destroyed for lack of knowledge, it says in Hosea 4.6. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee and thy children, it says, and thou shalt be a priest to me no more. Be careful what knowledge you reject, because so much of the time your eternal destiny depends on it. Verichip Corporation, a provider of the RFID... Uh, which stands for ra Radio Frequency Identifier. Okay, RFID, if you see that. They are provided for RFID for healthcare and patient-related needs. Announced today that 65 new hospitals have agreed to participate in the Verimed Patient Identification System Network. Uh, bringing the company's total number of enrolled hospitals to more than 500. About 500 hospitals probably does not amount to much of a percentage of the total hospitals in the U.S. Other hospitals administrators will be quick to jump on the bandwagon once they see these other hospitals doing this. The Verimed patient identification system, which consists of a handheld radio frequency identification scanner and an implantable RFID microchip, and a secure database is being used to help rapidly identify and provide access to important health information on 
participating patients. Well, hey, it sounds great. I mean, if I have a patient that arrives in an emergency room that's unconscious or delirious or confused or they have Alzheimer's or whatever, and they don't know their personal information, hey, just scan them. Oh, I got all their information right here. Boom. Sounds real nice and good. Okay. But isn't that how Satan always does things? He's not gonna he's not gonna make it look not good. He's gonna put a real nice candy coated veneer on it, make it look wonderful, so you get it. Once this practice of implanting microchips in humans gains more widespread acceptance, you will soon hear proposals to start implanting newborn babies. See, it never ends. At that point, they're conditioning us to accept the implantable microchip as a normal procedure will be heavily underway. Remember, the only implantable microchip that will send you to hell if you accept it is the chip implanted at the time when the Antichrist and his false prophet are forcing people to be implanted with the mark in either the middle of the forehead or the right hand. That's, this particular chip will be presented to the peoples of the world as a means by which they are pledging their loyalty and allegiance to the first beast, the Antichrist. Thus, everyone who allows a chip to be implanted will know that they are pledging their love and loyalty to the first beast, the Antichrist. For this reason, everyone who takes the mark of the beast will be cast into hell. So don't think you're going to take the mark of the beast and not be thrown into hell like Tim LaHaye's books are teaching. These, these Left Behind series. Revelation 13, 16-18 says, And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark. Who's he? The Antichrist. To receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark. Or the name of the beast, or the number of his name, here is wisdom. Let him that, under, that have understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, and is the number is six hundred, three score, and six. So, it says then, if you are like me, no one will put an implantable chip in either me or any of my loved ones, and do your best to stay out of hospitals. It's another good piece of advice. Because you just going into a hospital puts you at serious risk of what they call nosocomial infections, which are infections you get while in a hospital because there's sick people there, uh, there's superbugs there that uh, a lot of people get infected with, there's unnecessary surgeries that are performed, there's mis- uh, they, they, they're prescribing prescriptions in there where people are dying from either improperly or even properly prescribed prescriptions. It's unbelievable. Okay, now I'm not saying if you have an emergency situation, don't go to a hospital. Okay, I'm saying do your best to stay out if you can. The next thing I wanted to cover that we had to go over today. I got this this week. Have you heard about the Godmen? Oh yeah, the God men. This is the new. This is the mo- new movement afoot. Lunetta. the God men heresy. These guys, I, I, I view it as the promise keepers on steroids. Real men with real problems. Film at eleven. Their credo is manliness is next to godliness. Now show me that in the Bible. I show me even cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in the Bible either. But that's their credo. Manliness is next to godliness. Now, Jeremiah 7.28 says, But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God. This is America. Nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished. It's gone. And is cut off from their mouth. Jude 1, 3, and 4 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to 
to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. This is what we're doing today. We're earnestly contending for this faith. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. They were ordained to this. Ungodly men turning the grace of our Lord God into lasciviousness which would be like worldliness, lustfulness which is what this God-man heresy is all about and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ now if you if you want anyone listening to this broadcast you email me my, my email address is on this website that you're, that you're listening to it's uh, Dr. Johnson D-R-J-O-H-N-S-O-N at the letter I the letter X dot net com N-E-T-C-O-M dot com but it's also on the site you email me if you want any of these articles that I'm reading you you just let me know what one you want me to forward to you and I'll forward them to you because you can go up to Newsweek this is Newsweek now the secular the secular uh, news outlets are running stories on these guys and um, so you they're just documenting what's going on. Now, I, I would say they're not even being really biased. I think they're I think they're doing a good job of actually going documenting what's going on here. You can go up to this Newsweek site and you can download the video clip from one of their main songs they play at these Godmen meeting. The, one of their, their main songs, I would say, this is maybe the their their um, the keystone song of their whole credo is testosterone high. Yeah. I went up and I played this for uh, Doug and Lisa the other night on the thing, and, and I, I couldn't. It's one of the worst abominations I've ever witnessed. It's a, it's a music video, and they've got three guys up there playing. Okay, so uh, anyway, this music video it, it has in the background it has three or four big. I mean, I'm talking twelve. They're about 12 feet tall and 12 feet wide screens. I mean, what I'm trying to say is, like, you know how you could have curtains in the background? It's not curtains. It's it's like four TVs. And they're all showing, I don't know if they're all showing the same picture. Like I'm trying to remember or not, because the screen was very little. I was watching this off on the Internet. And it, and it has all these, you know, they're playing these, these lead guitars, and it's, it sounds like some hard rock concert. And they're talking about testosterone high and, and, and how, you know, God gave us our testosterone as men and we're macho men and we don't we don't want no girly stuff and all this other stuff and it shows all these real violent things going on in the background like um, uh, uh, in fact they, they describe some of these I, I remember one guy that was he was a football player he was getting hit and he just had his just had his head taken off just about on the football field all these real violent things in the background going on Okay, because this is manly. We, we we need a manly church. We're sick of these these churches where you go in and, and they have the flowers and everything's real nice and pretty. No, this is a manly church we need now. So it says in this article, it says manliness is next to godliness. And this was in the L.A. Times. This is another article that was run. The one was Newsweek. This was L.A. LA Times. And it says, and this is in Nashville. Strobe lights. You, this is just. You're not going to believe this. This is just un... I, when I think it can't get any worse, it just gets worse. Strobe lights pulse, and the air vibrates to a killer rock beat. Giant screens show mayhem and grossed-out pranks. Uh, they, they do that. Um, 
I guess it's not a cuss word. Is is uh, well, jackass. It's 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 a name for a donkey. But there, it's kind of boring. But what a donkey? They, they they have this these videos out now where they go around and they do all these pranks. And I guess they're in the movie theaters and all these other things. And they're beyond vile, repulsive, and perverted. These pranks they're doing. It's all guys doing it. And a lot of it smacks of homosexuality and sexual perversion and all these things. And they have whole movies they are making. And that's what it was entitled. And, and they're, they're playing these, these clips from these, these grossed out male pranks that they're doing in the background of this testosterone high video. And probably the other ones they're doing. They're showing mayhem, car crashes, some guy getting sucker punched. They're showing street brawls. Street balls in a church. It's supposedly this thing. And then and then a flabby and naked rear end sealed with duct tape. That's what they're showing in the background of this supposed God men church movement. And then Brad Stein, a supposed Christian comedian, runs on stage in ripped blue jeans, his shirt untucked, his long shaggy black his long shaggy hair which is totally unbiblical. He's a stand-up comic by trade, but here today he's an evangelist on a mission to build up a new Christian man. One profanity at a time. That's how they're building him up now, Nonetta. One profanity at a time. He goes on He goes on to say, this Christian comedian, quote, it's the wussification of America that's getting us. Like if you call somebody a wuss or whatever. He says, the wussification of America that's getting us. Well, you know something, to a certain extent I agree, because most men in most churches don't have the backbone of a dung beetle. They don't. The women rule the roost, they wear the pants, and the men, and see, what they're trying to do here, what they're trying to do, is these men inherently know this is the case. They know that they're, that they're, not, they're, they're not ruling their house well, as the Bible says. They know they're not doing that. So what do they do? They're instinctively trying to seek something out that makes them feel manly. It makes them feel like we're going to make up for this, this inherent lack of backbone and biblical leading and holy living and raising my kids right. Biblically, we got to make up for it some way, somehow, enter the devil. And the devil says, oh, I got the solution. Let's have, let's start God men. And we'll make you feel manly, strong like bull, have many babies. And so they feel justified in their own mind that what they're doing now, all of a sudden, well, I am the authority figure in my house. No, it doesn't make you any of that. It makes you none of that. It makes you more of an abomination in God's sight than ever because you would actually go to a place and participate and applaud and love what these reprobate devils, these wolves in sheep's clothing, these ministers of Satan that have been transformed into ministers of righteousness are doing. That's what you're going by. And then... Stein, this Christian comedian, finally says a moment later, he adds a fervent, Thank you, Lord, for our testosterone. End of quote. Now, testosterone is the main male hormone that a male has that gives him um, many times aggressive tendencies that makes a male a male. I mean, it is one of the main things that, that 
men have in much higher amounts than women, and it is one of the reasons that where it's the main reason you have masculine physical characteristics, facial hair, muscles, things like that. And then going back to Newsweek, their their article was entitled "Quote Real Men Talk About God." A new Christian movement lets guys be guys. This was on MSNBC. October 30, 2006. I, I never even heard about this till now. It's been going out for a while. This wasn't your daddy's religious revival. Last Saturday morning, 200 Christian men gathered, a Christian, please, men gathered in a downtown warehouse in Nashville. A warehouse would be appropriate where you would want to have this. You know, this reminds me of something that should take place in a warehouse in Nashville for a day-long spiritual extravaganza. Inside, strobe lights flashed, and the tracks by, evidently, the rock band The Killers, that's the name of the rock band, thumped from the speakers, stacked on either side of the stage. Four large video screens showed clips of karate fights, car chases, quote, jackass-style stunts. When the music lord and Christian comedian Brad Stein appeared with his rat-a-tat-tat delivery in aggressive style, Stein quickly ripped the crowd into a chorus of amens. Oh, isn't that special? Let's put a Christian veneer on this abomination. That makes everything all right, I guess. Evidently. Quote, a lot of guys out there wouldn't have the B-A-L-L-S to be here, he shouted. So, that's what he said. They wouldn't have that to be here, he shouted. Are you ready to be a man, he says. Are you ready to kick ASS? Do you stinking believe this? And then he says, are you ready to grab your sword and say, quote, okay family, I'm going to lead you. Buckle up, this is God, man, end of quote. How much farther could God's judgment be off if this is taking place on our soil in America? God truly is long-suffering and merciful. That's all I can say. All I can think is is that for the sake of the elect, He's sparing judgment. He's kept it back. Because I can't even imagine. I mean, see, God knows everything. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He knows all of this stuff and way more because we're just going on the surface of what's going on. He knows all the stuff that's going on even behind the scenes. He knows all this stuff. And he's still holding back. He is all-merciful. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ because we are in such need of judgment in this country. It's not even funny. The event was the first of what Stein and other organizers hoped would be a series of testosterone-fueled Christian men's gathering across the country. Their purpose, to reassert masculinity within a church structure that they say has been weakened by feminization. Well, you know, yeah, it has been weakened by feminization, but because that's because the men have totally, willingly relinquished their male headship to the women. Because if you let a woman rule over you, she will do it. Guaranteed. Let's just say that in, in, in uh, Genesis. I'm just going to see if I can find this real quick. It 
See, he told Eve, he says, Under the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In, in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Well, that's the way it's supposed to be. But, if you think about it, wouldn't you think the devil would have you do the exact opposite thing? Isn't the devil always going to go contrary to scripture? Well, so then what's happened? Well, because the men don't have any, any backbone, any real biblical backbone. They're not going by the Bible, they're going by every wind of doctrine or whatever feels right. They're not even saved. Well, then the women are taking on that role. Because that's always the perversion, it's always the flip. That's why we got women preachers in the pulpit. It's totally unbiblical. The Bible says that either a bishop or deacon would be the husband of one wife. It doesn't say the wife of one husband. It says the husband... It doesn't even... In the Bible, it's such a foregone conclusion that only a man could be either a pastor, bishop, deacon, that they don't even go into the... Show me one place in the New Testament where a woman preacher was, ever. Oh, well, it talks about some prophetesses in Acts... Well, yeah, that's fine. That was a prophetess. And that was during the signs of time, of, 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 of wonders and, and all these other things that were going on. Why were these things going on? Because the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after knowledge. Jesus came to the Jew first. He came to his own first, it says. And then the emphasis shifted over to the Gentile. And the Bible's very clear on that if you study that thing out. So, yeah, it has been weakened by feminization. But that's, that's no... This doesn't make it right. What they're doing here. Then it just goes on to say, They call it an experiment for now, and don't expect or even want their numbers to grow too quickly. Stein and his friend and manager, Mike Smith, dreamed up the God men after reading David Morrow's 2005 book, quote, Why Men Hate Going to Church. Who cares what they hate? Who cares what any of us want? You know what we all deserve, including myself? Death and hell? That's what we all deserve. Did you know that? The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. The wages. What is wages? The price. When we've all sinned, all is sin and come short of the glory of God. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, which He saved us, but according to His mercy He saved us. For we are all together as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. Isaiah 64, 6. So that's what we deserve. We deserve hell. You know? So why men hate going to church? You know, that's the thing about the self-centered time that we live in in America. I mean, how much more stinking self-centered can we get? We have a free gift that we can freely receive through Jesus Christ. But, you know, I just don't want it. I, I, I want God on my terms. I want it the way when I drive up the Burger King and go through the stinking drive through I want it that way. My way. Burger King religion. Or, Brew Cream religion. A little dabble, do you? That's what they want. Who cares what we want? Who cares what our opinion is if it, if it contradicts the Word of God? I'm including myself in this. I'm not holding anyone else to a higher accountability than I would hold myself. I admit that's what I deserve. Apart from Jesus Christ, apart from His shed blood, death, burial, and resurrection, that's what I deserve. I admit it. Totally. <clears throat> so then he goes on to say, In it, Merle points out that on any given Sunday, 13 million or more adult women 
13 million more adult women than men attend church in America. Quote, we have to find a way to give men something that matters to them, Stein says. So it's all about them giving them what they want. Where does it end? Where does it end? Are they going to have brothels in the church? Giving them what they want? Why don't we have prostitutes? Why don't we, why don't we just go... I, it's coming back to it. I, I, I guarantee you it probably is. Why don't we have temple prostitutes in church? Isn't that what they were before? Wasn't that an excuse for them to look religious? Well, I'm going to go purify myself with a temple prostitute. Therefore, I have my religious veneer and I can have my cake and eat it too. We're going back to it. Guaranteed. One way is to create a worship space where guys can be guys. In most churches, you'll see flowers and ferns at the front, says Stein. That's saying this is a place that a woman has composed. So Godmen sought to create a place where men could admit to the flaws without being judged bad Christians and be unapologetically male. Unapologetically. I don't got to apologize for nothing. I am who I am and God created me this way. I can act any way I want to act. Isn't that what they're saying? This includes plenty of rock and roll, which where we get the word rock and roll is from when it was first uh, came on the scene, that was a sexual connotation to a car rocking back and forth, because rock and roll puts you in that sexual mindset where fornication tends to happen. That's where we get the origination of the word rock and roll. I'm not making that up. The people that invented the word said that's what it means. Do a keyword search on the internet, you'll find it out. That's why Christian rock and roll, what is that? What a contradiction of terms. But see, they, they, they love to attach the word Christian to all the stuff to give it the veneer of holiness. And it doesn't make it holy. It doesn't do it. It doesn't matter how much they attach it. Um, <clears throat> then it says that there's idea that if you don't drink or, or don't say bad words, you are doing your Christianity appropriately. And meanwhile, that same guy is on the internet looking at pornography. Stein says, it's all a smokescreen. We, we need to admit these issues in order to be free. What did that just mean? It's all bad. We need to admit these things? Well, here's, here's a picture. You can't on, on the... If, I'll email you this article if you're listening to this, if you would like. And I have... So I should say this. I have a Christian newsletter list that I put out on a frequent basis where I, where I put these out and then many times I'll preach on them like we're doing today. So if you want to get on that list, just email me. Tell me you want to be on my list. Um, you know, if you get offended, I'm sorry. But if you can refute what I'm putting out, I give that... I don't want to say it's a challenge because I don't want to act like I, I think I, I've got everything figured out. I don't. But uh, rarely anymore do I see people refuting this type of information. It's not because I'm so smart. It's just obviously blatant. You know, if we would just stick to the Word of God, this stuff's pretty easy to defend. It's pretty easy to say, bad, good, bad, good, if you compare it to the Word of God. When you get off that track and you get your opinion into play, well, I don't know, I don't feel that. Who cares what you feel? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end of the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12 and Proverbs 14, 26. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28, 26. So, please don't go by your feelings, because your feelings will get you straight to hell. This is a picture of the God-men thing 
You can see it from here. It's so big. It's some guy. He's, he's some guy with a bald head looking up into the heavens, screaming like a banshee Indian, it looks like. It says that a contrarian, this Godman movement, is a contrarian movement. What does contrarian mean? Is it contrary? Probably con- it, is, it is contrary in them. It's contrary. It's contrary to the Christian faith. A contrary movement where thousands of Christian men are reaching for more force, more rugged expressions of their faith. Oh, isn't that wonderful? The Los Angeles Times said that. That's what they have up on their website. They're, they're using references how the secular newspapers are describing them. The secular newspapers love this because this is of the devil. So they are going to present it in a positive veneer. Because they're probably finally saying, finally, some Christian organization that would just, you know, stop putting on this veneer holiness, just let the men act like the devils they want to act like, and just let everything hang out. Let guys be guys. You know? They got a whole website here. You know? So, uh, anyway. Yeah, I saw that this week. That was That was just lovely. And, uh... Now, I'm going to talk about something else here, which is unbelievable. Have you heard about the new movie? Now, we know all the stuff that's been going on. I've done two whole, not two whole sessions, but in part sessions on um, the Lost Tomb of Jesus Heresy, the Discovery Channel hell. Now, they did, I did believe they did yank that off the networks. But see, what you've got is, is you've got a blitzkrieg of progressive conditioning that Jesus never died on the cross, that he married Mary Magdalene, that he never died. Now, if he never died, if Christ didn't die and shed his blood, then our religion is in vain. The Bible even says that. The Bible even says that. So, don't you think if you were Satan, that's the main tenet you would want to attack, especially right, right prior to the appearance of the Masonic Antichrist? Don't you think that's something you'd want to kind of emphasize and get permeated throughout people's minds, even if it's in the back of their mind? Because when the Masonic Antichrist comes and he comes with all signs and wonders, and then you have this stuff in the back of your mind, and you're not even reading your Bible anyway, and you're probably going to a false church or you're some false religion, it's not going to be that much of a stretch when you see this man appearing making this covenant, doing what no other man on the earth can do, bringing peace to the Middle East, temporarily, doing all lying signs and wonders, doing all these mighty things. He's going to be this eloquent person. And you're going to be mesmerized. You're going to be taken back by this. You're going to fall under his spell because he's going to cause craft, witchcraft, to prosper. It says he is. It's not going to be that much of a stretch. Well... This attack on the deity of Christ just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. The new movie, it's called Bloodline. New movie. From the Freemasonic Knights Templar. That's who's putting the movie out. The Knights Templar, Doug. They, they say it right on, the, right on their movie site. I went up on it and watched the trailers. They're not even making any bones about it. The Knights Templar who supposedly guarded the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail, which there's two theories on that, which was the the chalice from which Jesus took the Last Supper and he drank the wine out of. But actually, the real meaning of the Holy Grail is that Mary Magdalene is the Holy Grail. You know why? Because she was the receptacle. How do I put this and not sound blasphemous? Because I don't even like saying it. But if if her and Mary, if, if Jesus Christ 
married Mary Magdalene, like they say, which never, ever, ever happened, which is an abomination straight from the pit of hell. And I don't even like saying that out of my mouth. But if, if that were to have happened, they say that she was the chalice that basically bore Jesus' baby. She had a girl. That's why they call her the Holy Grail. Because she was the receptacle. I don't want to go into it any further than that. So, this reinforces the biblically predicted strong delusion of the Da Vinci Code, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, the original book that all this heresy got started, and then the Lost Tomb of Jesus now. Now we've got four distinctive things, and I know there's more than that. They're doing this. They are bombarding us with this in the media now. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7-12 through 12. I always like to start off with Bible verses when, when we start talking about these things because I like to lay the foundation with Bible verses so that when we get into this we can hearken back to these Bible verses and say, oh yeah, he just said that and, and that's what, oh okay you can kind of tie the two together the Bible says in Proverbs 11 verse 3 that if the foundations be destroyed what can the righteous do? 2 Thessalonians 2, 7-12 For the mystery of iniquity doth already work only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, which is what we just talked about. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. Now, all it's talking about here is deception, if you really think about this. Lying signs and wonders, deceivableness. All of it, well, isn't that the time we're basically moving into right now? Hmm. With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they received not the love of the truth. I don't see very many people receiving the love of the truth. I'm sorry, I don't that they might be saved. Well, it sounds like, to me, that it's conditional. Your salvation is conditional, conditional upon you receiving the love of the truth. Now, I'm not saying that the, now all of a sudden it's workspace. You've got to receive every bit of little tiny, teeny truth in order to get saved. No, you're saved through grace. Okay, you're saved through Jesus Christ. But an earmark of you being truly saved is that you receive the love of the truth. It is. That you might be saved. And for this cause, why? Because they didn't receive the love of the truth. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Why? That they might all be damned who believe not the truth. It's God saying this, not me. Well, that doesn't sound like a loving God. Sorry. Sorry. We've got more chances, especially in America, in today's day and age... We have more access to the Bible. I believe God will lead you to the truth if you're sincerely seeking the truth. We have less excuse today than we've ever had. There was there were there were sometimes like after the apostles were here, where there were hundreds of years where they never had any kind of real coherent Bible, and if they did, it was in bits and pieces. We have we have so much more than they ever had. We are so much less. We are we have so much less of an excuse nowadays than, than they did then. Now I know, temptation's greater today, and all this other stuff. It still doesn't... Still, we're still in a position where we can seek the truth. Well, the Bible says, Jesus says, If you continue in my word, then are ye my, my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So, continuing his word, 
is is very very important because then you're going to know the truth and the truth shall make you free God said he's going to send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they might all be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness these people have pleasure in this why? because they don't want to be accountable to a holy God that's really the bottom line if the truth be known they'll do everything in the world to make up some false man-made religion or try to throw doubt on scripture it makes them feel so good because they think oh good Jesus wasn't who he says it is. I don't have to answer to a holy God. Thank you. I'm so happy. And they'll do everything in the world to propagate this lie and this heresy because misery loves company. They want to bring as many people down with them. Why? Because their father is of the devil. Doesn't he want to bring as many people down with him as they can? Well, what spirits are operating through him are operating through his children. Luke 18.8 says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on this earth? On the earth? That's what Luke 18.8 says. He asked as, as though it was a question. When the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on earth? What faith is he talking about? Jesus Christ. What is all of this questioning? Jesus Christ. Yes, he's going to find faith on this earth. I do believe he is. But he, he poses the question. Shall I? Probably more as a warning than anything else. Don't, don't, you know. The Bible says in Romans 1.22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. That's what I think about when I read stuff like this. When I read these things, Bible verses just start flooding into my head. Sometimes I can't even hardly write them down fast enough. Um, I, have, I have most of the key ones saved in a program off to the side, or, 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 if I, or if I have a key verse, what you can do, and this is for everyone else, if you know just a few words to a verse, or even two, you can, you can go up to the internet and, and search for Blue Letter Bible, Go up there, and they have a little box, and you can enter the words in, and it'll do a keyword search for those for those words. And if it can find it in the exact order, even if you only know, like, the first and the last word of the verse, if you put them in there, it'll give you all the combinations. It's really great. It's awesome. So you can get more specifically than a concordance that only does it with one word. This is like a concordance that's expanded. Anyway, a little, little thing for you to know. 1 Corinthians 2.15 says, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Jesus said, Judge righteous judgment. The only time when you judge not lest ye be judged is when you're, you're judging as a hypocrite. And that's the context of that verse when he said, Judge not lest ye be judged. When you have a beam in your own eye and your brother has a speck in his and you're judging them. That's when you judge not lest you be judged. You need to get yourself right before you get to that point. But after that, he who is spiritual judgeth all things. Judge righteous judgment. Okay? That's, that's the difference. 1 Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in, that is in you with meekness and fear. How are we going to give... How are we going to have an answer for the hope that's within us with meekness and fear if we can't explain stuff like this. Because this is a direct attack on the deity of Jesus Christ. Now, I understand. I don't want to put too much pressure on anyone. But I'm saying if you're, if you're aware of something, you should try to make yourself familiar with some of these heresies because we're being bombarded with them. And if you don't understand how to defend yourself, then you may be the one that falls away. Where's your faith really grounded? Because God is going to test you. I'm not saying now I'm not getting back to, okay, you're going to lose your salvation, and then you got to get it back. What I'm saying is that the wheat and the chaff are going to be separated, and the Bible says anything that can be shaken will be shaken. 
Your faith is going to be tested. All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's 2 Timothy 3, 12 and 13. So, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And evil men and seducers are going to wax, which means grow, worse and worse. They're going to be, they're going to deceive other people, and they themselves are going to be deceived. That's what we're dealing with here, a deceiver. You can view the blasphemous trailer, which I did. Now, there's no cuss words in it, but it's, it's so stinking abominable and blasphemous as a Christian to watch this where they're just basically you know coming right out and saying well Jesus you know (laughs) all this thing all this stuff that the Catholic Church has given us has all been a lie they all go back they act as though the Catholic Church is the true church of God which is the Catholic Church is just another cult it's just another pagan cult is all it is with a veneer of Christianity that that aggravates me all the more when they equate the Catholic Church to the ones that, that have been deceived us. Yes, they've deceived us, but they never had the truth to begin with. Don't go to them. Bloodline, this movie, this is the name of the movie, Bloodline, follows a two-year investigation by Bruce Burgess into the enigmatic Priory of Zion and their secrets. Where do we get the Priory of Zion from? Hmm. The Da Vinci Code is the one that, where the guys that gave us the steer the priors out. So what we're now getting now are, are more and more movies and documentaries that are giving us that are expanding on this and putting these thoughts in the back of everybody's head to try to shake their faith. Everything that can be shaken will, if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. Shall he find faith when he comes? Jesus said it. Brought to the world. I, I'll be honest with you. All this does is strengthen my faith. I, I mean, it does. And I mean, I know I said that before, and it discouraged that one guy that emailed me. But if you're in the Word and you believe the Word, then this will not shake you. This is confirmation of Scripture. It's confirmation that evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse. It confirms the Bible. It confirms the strong delusion. This is what we should expect. It confirms Revelation 3, where it talks about the Laodicean church age, which the church is neither hot nor cold nor lukewarm, yet they're blind, wretched, weak, and naked, and they don't even think they are. That's what we're living in. To me, it builds my faith because it's confirmation of Scripture. So, see, the reason it builds my faith is because I'm relying on the Scriptures. I'm not relying on my opinion. Oh, if I was relying on my opinion, oh, I'd really be shaken. So, brought to worldwide fame by the Da Vinci Code, the Priory are said to be the guardians of the blood of Mary Magdalene and the protectors of her bloodline, the true Holy Grail. They are said to have documents and evidence that are incontrovertible proof that Jesus did not die on the cross. This is off their website. Incontrovertible proof, meaning it can't be questioned, but instead married Mary Magdalene and had children. That's what this whole movie is about. The Priory and its claims have been dismissed. And, and, and like, I'm going to go to the devil to get unbiased information, the Prior of Zion and the Knights Templar. Oh yeah, I'm going to go to the devil and expect to get a straight answer. That's what I kept thinking about this whole thing. Like, all all of a sudden, I'm supposed to drop everything that I know to be truth in Scripture and, and believe, you devils, give me a break. 
The Priory and its claims have been dismissed as a fanatical hoax by scholars and the church for years, and yet millions of people disagree, feeling that there could have been a cover-up by the church. Oh, it's a big cover-up. Yep. That, that a marriage and children is actually more plausible than the story presented in the New Testament. So in other words, now we're getting to totally throwing the Bible out the window too. So they're killing two birds with one stone. They're questioning the deity of Jesus Christ, saying none, none of what the Bible presented was true. And then therefore you, you just basically throw the New Testament out the door, which is what we base our salvation on. If indeed there was a distortion of the true facts surrounding the life and death of Jesus Christ, it would have huge implications for our society today. Oh yeah, you're right, it would. We'd all be on our way straight to hell. We might as well just throw up our hands and give up. And that's what they want Christians to do. Because why? Because Christians are called to be salt and light. Salt is a preservative of things that it, that it is salting. Okay, like you can salt meat and things. It preserves it. Okay, it's also an irritant. If you're salt, you're going to irritate people. Light always exposes darkness. The darkness doesn't like being exposed. Cockroaches don't like it when they have a light shined on them. They scatter. That's what we as Christians are called to do. We're called to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, we're called to, to run the race which is set before us. We're called to do that, okay? We're called to be crucified with Christ, according to Galatians 2.20. These are things we're called to do. But if they can basically say, oh, your Bible's a lie, then what are we really called to? We're not called to nothing, except to live like the devil. You know? Hey, anything goes. These people that put this out are so of the devil and so satanically possessed and they are so as I said before they are so wanting to not be accountable to a holy God that's what this all really really boils down to they, they also want to think that they're so smart and scholarly and we've figured this out and nobody else has and we've just been lied to and it goes on and on those representing the prior design as well as some members of the bloodline families have now confirmed well I, hold on I thought there was no prior of Zion I thought that that was just a hoax yeah, this Priory of Zion, a lot of people have said before that, oh, they don't exist, this is just a figment of someone's imagination. Well, why are they, the Priory of Zion, it says, as well as some of the bloodline families, now the, when they say bloodline families, what do they mean? They mean that they believe they're the direct lineage of Jesus Christ. What bloodline would this be? The Merovingian bloodline. Where the Bible, the, the book, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, which it should call abominable, <laughs> it's an abomination but that blood goes into this Merovingian bloodline now there's 13 families that control the world now granted God's on the throne okay but the Bible says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air and the prince of this present day world he chooses to put into positions of power whom he chooses God permits it okay so again, don't get me wrong, God's still on the throne, God's not up there helpless, this is part of the strong delusion that we, that we are to expect as a Christian. But the Mer there's 13 bloodlines in the Illuminati. The Illuminati are the 13 ruling families of the world. The top family being the Rothschilds, who decide the price of gold and silver every day in London. They're the top banking family in the world, they're probably the richest family in the world. But there is one bloodline called the Merovingian bloodline in the 13 families of the Illuminati, which where a lot of the supposed kings and queens have um, spawned from in Europe. And this Merovingian bloodline is the bloodline they believe that came from Mary and Jesus' child. 
Mary had a girl, and this is the bloodline they believe perpetuated through that bloodline. Okay, so this Priory of Zion is one of the occult groups working with this bloodline in order to bring about the appearance of the Masonic Antichrist, and at the same time, the discreditation of Jesus Christ. Because they got to do both. If you think about it, they got to attack Jesus in order to really bring forth the, the Antichrist. Can't have them both. Those representing the Prior of Zion, as well as some of the members of the Bloodline families, have now confirmed, via a series of emails and telephone conversations, that the items in the chest, this chest right here, there's a cup, and this, um, I don't know, it's like looks like a vase. Okay, they're pottery. They found these supposedly in this chest. The cup and the anointing jar and the vial are all genuine relics. I guess there's a vial in there. It looks like there's coins in there as well. They're all genuine relics. According to them, the cup and the anointing jar were both used at the wedding of Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene. Yeah. And passed down by families in the bloodline, this bloodline, for centuries as sacred relics. It would be like if you had a family and you're going to pass down an heirloom, but you're going to keep this one real quiet. Because, you know, can't, can't say that Jesus had a wife. I guess just all the apostles missed that wedding. <laughs> they, all the Christians just kind of missed that wedding. I guess they all missed the fact that Jesus must have been whisked off the cross. And that that spear that the Roman soldier put through his spleen and heart, and where all the blood and water poured out of Jesus, I guess he, he made it through that too. And he had all these hundreds of people that were watching it. I guess that was just all of our imagination. I guess it was just our imagination when he appeared to thousands of people after the resurrection. After he'd been dead for three days, he rose again. And he appeared in a glorified body. And he still had the nail prints in the palms of his hands and in his feet. And Thomas even touched him. And he appeared to all these people. I guess that was just all their imaginations. Not even mine. It was just theirs. His life and his resurrection and what he did after when he came back to earth before he ascended it's a historical fact. Okay? That, that's why this is so asinine. Do you know how much things would have had to have been done? Oh, I'm sure they're going to keep this one a secret. Yeah, they're going to keep it a secret through all these years. It just happened that way. You know, we've just been lied to. You know, it's just, you know, we only divided time. We've, we've only divided time by Jesus Christ for all these thousands of years. And we've just been lied to about the whole story, I guess. Now we're finally finding out, Doug. You know, well, what do you mean we divide time? B.C. before Christ? But, oh, they've changed it now. For 2,000 years it was B.C. before Christ. Now they've changed it to B.C.E. Well, what does that stand for? Before Common Era. See, they've got to take Christ out of everything. But it doesn't matter, because his, his life, his death, burial, and resurrection, it's a historical fact. It's how we divide time. He fulfilled hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament, to the T, exactly. But I guess that was all our imaginations. Yeah, right. Uh, was that oceanfront property in Arizona I think I have to sell anyone who would believe that you know anyway so we have promised further details and incontrovertible proof of the item, item's providence Pro, no provenience I'm sorry Oxford Radiocarbon Laboratory famous for its dating the Turin Shroud oh the Shroud of Turin well <laughs> yeah 
that's the total scam and hoax too. So now we're going to go to the devil, and I'm talking the top devil people on the face of the planet in the Priory of Zion, and these these misguided, demon-possessed people that say they're of the Merovingian bloodline, and we're going to go to the same scientist who dated the, trout, the Shroud of Turin, Turin the, uh, this Oxford radiocarbon laboratory. We're going to go to them to get the true story. Finally, I'm so glad that they've got this figured out for us. I'm sure there's no bias there at all. None. No, we're going to get the real story. Yeah, right. Parchment that was found, that we found in a glass vial. Oh, hold on. I skipped the page. Sorry. No, I didn't. Okay. Okay, Oxford Radiocarbon Laboratory, famous for dating the Turin Shroud, has just completed its analysis of a small world of parchment that we found in the glass vial. I guess there was a glass vial in this wooden chest. According to their tests carried out in January 2007, there is a 94.5, probability that the parchment dates from between 1430 A.D. and 1520 A.D. Well, that wouldn't put it around Jesus Christ's death. What's that about? What, what does that mean? So I, I, I'm not even sure what they're going to that, that doesn't seem to confirm anything. If this was from their wedding feast, I think they're about 1,500 years off. I don't know what they're getting at there, but... And then they show a little picture of this parchment, and these devils are now analyzing it. We remain thrilled that several best-selling authors, academics, and theologians... Oh, that's who I always go to. Yeah, that's who I always go to. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. What are they saying? They're saying that there is no God. The Bible says the fool was said in his heart there is no God. The Bible says that. What does it also say? Well, Proverbs 13, 13 says, Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. Proverbs 13, 13. Double rebellion. When you despise the word, you shall be destroyed. Hmm, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. I really wouldn't want to be. You talk about a holy curse coming upon somebody. I wouldn't want to be. Now, the Bible says let them be accursed. If they preach a gospel that's not according to this doctrine, it says, let them be accursed. They're the ones bringing... I'm not saying we should go around putting curses on people, okay? I'm not saying, let's turn into uh, white witch Christians, okay? But I'm saying the Bible says, let them be accursed. They're bringing the curse on themselves. I would not want to be in their shoes. What is this only going to do? Take people to hell. Reinforce that. You know how much blood's going to be on their hands? And they're doing it in such a way where they're directly attacking Jesus Christ. I do pray God deal with these people this day. Why? That all men would see and fear and declare the work of God. That they would wisely consider of His doing. Psalm 64. Read that. Oh, well that's an imprecatory prayer. We can't do that anymore. We're supposed to bless them that curse you and curse those that curse... We're not supposed to curse them that curse us. I, I'm not saying to curse them that curse them. But are you supposed to ask for them to bless a person in their wickedness? Are we supposed to ask to bless these people that make this movie? And hopefully they'll give it out to a lot of people so a lot of people go to hell? Use your head! No! That's not the type of blessing we're supposed to pray. The type of blessing that they need is to get saved. And most of the time, from my experience, people only get saved unless they're brought low. Look at the prodigal son. He had to get taken to the hog pen to finally come to his senses. That's the only hope for these people is God's judgment. God's judgment is in this life, not in the next. Because in the next life it's too late to go to hell. So what's more merciful? 
for me to pray they'd be judged in this life and they come to their senses and at bare minimum shut their mouth so they don't take people to hell? Or would it be better, no, bless them, Lord, in their wickedness so that they can go and propagate and do more, take more people to hell? Use your head. Come let us reason together, saith the Lord. Okay, that's why the Bible says, David was a man after God's own heart, wasn't he? He said those prayers in Psalms. They're imprecatory prayers. I pray they get saved. I really do, if it be possible. But I also pray if they're not going to get saved, and God knows the beginning from the end, that they're not allowed to take more people to hell with them. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded, so they shall make their own tongues to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away, and all men shall fear, and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider of his doing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord, and shall trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. That's the last half of Psalm 64. It says God will shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded. Hey, we need more of it. If we don't have God's judgment, there's not a whole lot of hope for this country. Well, where do you see judgment connected with hope? Go to Hosea 2. The Bible says, after he dealt with Gomer, after he dealt with wayward Israel, he said, I will give them the valley of Achor for a door of hope. Achor, the valley of Achor is where Achin and his family were stoned and buried. After they judged Achan and his sin, they allowed deliverance of the Jewish people into the promised land. That's our same hope this day. Through God's judgment, we have hope. I pray for God's judgment on this country because it's the only it's, it's the only thing that would change anything. Man in and of himself will not repent in and of himself. He's not going to just wake up one of these days and say, Well, I'm going to be a born-again Christian. I'm going to stop living like the devil. This born-again Christian thing seems like a better way. Most people don't do that. So anyway, I got off on a tangent there. But So, we go and... Um, so they say, We remain thrilled that the several best-selling authors, academics, and theologians have come on board to support the film and its findings. Here are some of the latest quotes. This is from Robert Eisman, director at the Institute for Judeo-Christian Origins. Oh, isn't that wonderful? At California State University, I'm sure that it's going to be solid, biblical-based, right down the line, fundamental, independent, King James only. I'm sure. He's working out of a secular university um, of California, but it's Judeo-Christian, so he's, he's... This is what he says, okay? He's, uh, this man's author, he's also the author of the newly released, quote, New Testament Code. I don't even know what that is. I'm sure that's some total heresy. Here's what Robert Eisman says. He says, Let me be the first to congratulate you on the good vibe and the PR you seem to be getting on your Bloodline production. Good title. Good luck. Well, that's pretty appropriate because luck derives from the word Lucifer. And, um, you know, that just shows that this man has the discernment of a stinking dung beetle. I'm sorry. But he does. That, there's no way in the world that guy's saved. And he's praising them for this? What is he basing his faith off? His own opinion? Gnosticism? Good knowledge? Sure. He's a devil. He's a wolves in sheep's clothing. Oh, this is getting me so mad reading these. This is from Reverend Lionel Fanthrop, Anglican priest, author and journalist. Now, this is the state of our church. They're getting quotes from guys that are supposedly in... Christian circles of some way, shape, or form. This is from Reverend, and the Bible says we're only supposed to reverence God. 
There's no man that's reverend. We are all together as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. We're not reverend. Show me that title in the Bible anywhere. I'll show you priest, maybe pastor, bishop, deacon. What, but Reverend Fanthorpe, Anglican priest, says, quote, In 30 years as a Renzi's researcher, whatever that means, this could be the most important find ever made. If this is the cup from the wedding and the anointing jar used by Mary Magdalene, then this find is truly awesome. To, I, I, this is just incomprehensible to me. Truly awesome? If this were true, then our faith is in vain. And we're done. We're done. We might as well pack it up. Now, I'm not telling anybody to pack it up because it's all life in the pit of hell. It's incomprehensible. How could they be excited about this? Oh, this is from Dr. Gabby Barclay, senior lecturer at Bar Ilan University, currently excavating the Temple Mount. He sounds like he's Jewish, so I can see why he would probably like this. This vessel, the jar, is clearly, is very clearly beyond any doubt, Jerusalemite. From the second temple period. It is an ungentitarium and unusually contain oil-based perfumes. Best of luck on your film. There we go with that luck word again. <clears throat> this is from Sir Lawrence Gardner author of the Marian of the Magdalene legacy this is one of these guys that's putting out this junk the bloodline of the grail this is the author of the bloodline of the grail the lost secrets of the sacred ark and the forthcoming forthcoming here's his new book the hidden descent from Jesus so see we're going to get bombarded with this and I mean the people say why do you why do you dwell on this type of stuff because this is the strong delusion that's coming this is one of the main ones. And so much of it centers on attacking the deity of Jesus Christ and, and amalgamating true Christianity with this Zionist, Messianic Judaism, Hebrew Roots Movement stuff. That's where I see the big deception coming with the Jewish stuff. Attacking, I mean, it is. So, if it's... Part of the greatest delusion ever perpetuated on humanity. Should we maybe devote a little bit of time to this? Now, I'm sorry. I don't see churches devoting time to this type of stuff. I don't. I don't see it at all. Granted, I have my own home church now. So, that, I, I know I'm not in the churches, but I don't see it being done. This Sir Lawrence Gardner says, I mean, what a devil... He says, if this cup and jar connected to Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and or their descendants, this would corroborate, corroborate what I have been saying for years. That they were married and the bloodline really does exist. End of quote. This is from the Right Reverend John Shelby Spong. What is a Right Reverend? Is that like most worshipful, most worshipful master that the, Masons, the Masons have? They have all these high and lofty titles, you know. The Right Reverend John Shelby Spong, Episcopal Bishop of Newark, New Jersey, retired, author and lecturer, quote, I find sufficient evidence in the New Testament to convince me that Jesus was married. What stinking Bible is he reading? And I mean that. What perverted Bible is he reading? 
What perversion of scriptures could he possibly be drawing upon <coughs> to come to the conclusion that he finds sufficient evidence in the New Testament to convince him that Jesus was married? And then he says, I hope he was. You know, right Reverend John Shelby Spong, Episcopal Bishop, you hope he was? Your faith is in vain. I don't even know what you're basing. Obviously you're not saved. Are you saying you hope you go to hell? Because if he was married, we're, going, we're on our way to hell. We are. What are we basing our faith on? Are we going to earn our way into heaven now? He says, I hope he what? I would, did you read that? Did you hear that quote I just said? Then he says, I would rejoice if that supposition could be proved. I wish you well with this film. I can't even conceive of this. This is just, this is incomprehensible. I can understand First Church of Satan, Anton LaVey giving me a quote like this. Not somebody that has any form, I mean, I can understand them shutting their mouths and not saying anything and not being able to, because that, I mean, most of them are pathetic. But these guys are, are wanting this to be true. Evidently, they don't want to have to answer the Holy God either, because they're not saved, not a one of them. They know deep down they're not going to, and they want to disprove the Bible. But, you know, it served them right for so long. They made a lot of money, and they've, they've got that this high and lofty position where they're at in their church. I'm not saying all of them made a lot of money, but, but they've made their living off it. Let's face it, they have. The love of money is the root of all evil. This next quote is from Dr. Peter Higgs, Department of Greek and Roman Antiquities, British Museum. Quote, the jar, it is from the late Greek period, Hellenistic, 1st century B.C. into the early 1st century A.D. It is Ungentinium Orca, or an anointing jar from the East, East Mediterranean, which would have been used to carry an oil-based perfume. That's all he says about it. Then this article goes on to say, now what I did is I copied and pasted this right off the Bloodline website. I mean, I'm not editing this. This is right, this is right up on their own website. Thanks to an overwhelming response to our film in this site from all our, you and all, from from all of you this summer and fall, we have added a new trailer, updated our synopsis, and released some details, some more details. We have also, as many of you requested, make six short clips from the film. We, but above all, we wanted to announce the discovery of a small wooden chest near the village of Renée's Le Chateau in October. We think that this might be the most significant find yet in the area yet made. So you're going to have all these significant archaeological finds being made now, which disprove that none of it's going to confirm the deity of Jesus Christ. Like they discovered that Gospel of Judas recently in Egypt. Now that's where I want to go to find the truth. I'm going to go to the Egyptian desert. God says in the Bible, he told Saul, he told, he said in, to, in, to, to the kings and the Jewish lineage, he says, don't even go to Egypt to get horses, much less the word of God. Well, that's where most of your Bible, modern Bible versions spawn from. Why would you say that? Because the revised version of Westcott and Hort, 1881, spawned from the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus manuscripts of the Catholic Church. Where did they spawn from? They spawned from the Alexandrian text. The Alexandrian Egyptian text, like where Origen and those guys made that. Why would you want a Bible that's really based out of Egypt? Why would you want to go to Egypt to get the Gospel of Judas? Oh, like I'm going to trust Judas, like Judas ever wrote it. Judas, Judas was dead. Judas didn't write that. It's just a lie. There's just lie after lie after lie. Well, Satan is the prince of lies. 
He's a devil. He's a deceiver. He's the father of lies. Why would you expect anything less? So, um, more details of how it was found will be, will, will be revealed in due course. But we can say that it followed the discovery of a cache of papers hidden near René's Le Chateau. These papers contained... I was pretty good at that French, wasn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I was a Frenchman in my formal life, and I didn't want to say anything. You know, just kidding, just kidding, teasing. Anyway, uh, these were coded and written clues about the cup of Mary, Jesus and Mary, an anointing jar, and the parchments of Abbey Bigou, which could be found in a cave near the village. Oh, good. So now we've got this parchment confirming. The, about the, this cup of Jesus and Mary. The cave has become locally, locally as the cave of the Magdalene. Amazingly, that was the chest matched, was that the chest matched the clues. In other words, this supposed parchment pointed to these clues and it was all in the right place. So now we know it's real. There was a small conical pottery cup, a six inch high pottery jar, a cracked glass vial containing a rolled parchment, and a number of ancient coins. Although we can't prove it yet, we think that these could be the actual objects that were used at the wedding of Jesus and Mary Magdalene, passed down by descendants of the bloodline for generations, a memento preserved through the time of the sacred union of Jesus and Mary Magdalene, the male and the female. Now, why did they say the male and the female? Because the occult is obsessed with male and female. Did you know that the crescent star of Islam, where it has the crescent star and the star here, the crescent star is symbolic of the female, the receptacle. That's why it's a crescent shaped, like you can put something in it. And the star is the symbolic of the male. So the male phallus symbol we have as the obelisk. Okay, We have the square and compass of the Freemasons. The square and compass are like this, joined. That's also symbolic of the male and female. They're joining. Uh, we have the wreaths that we hang on our doors during the pagan season of Christmas. Where we have candles on the wreaths. What are the candle, candles symbolic of? In paganism, they're symbolic of the male phallus symbol. The, the wreath is a hole which is, which is symbolic of the female reproductive organ. That's what the half-crescent moon is symbolic of, the, the female reproductive organ. Well, these two images they're showing, they're saying it's the male and the female because we've got the cup, which would be symbolic of the female receptacle, this cup, and then we have this jar, which is more of a phallus-like jar, like, like the male reproductive organ, so we have female-male. Is this unbelievable? That's why they said it. Most people wouldn't pick up on that if you looked at the site and say male and female and they just go on reading. But I realized exactly what they were doing. Perhaps they were both placed in this wooden chest to remind whoever found them in marriage. I know what I'd like to do to them. <laughs> I'd like to take a sledgehammer and then burn it. That's what I'd do. If, if I had much my, my chance. The royal parchment within the vial is particularly interesting as it was said that the Abbey Bijou, the priest of the René's Le Chateau, did hide a small vial inside a wooden pillar in the church, which was then discovered by a successor, successor in 1891. We think that it that it could be that vial and that parchment. Now why, why would I go through and read all this stuff and, and, and people would be saying, oh, you're just giving the devil glory. Oh, I'm not. I want, to be, I want to be able to go through this and show that this is a farce, that this is a lie, and that I'm not willing to shy away from this stuff. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to shy away from this. This is asinine. 
We are not at this stage revealing what is on the parchment. Ooh, there's much mystery surrounding this. But it does relate to what is what it says is the secret of Jesus and Mary. Maybe their secret was their marriage. As you know, there's a strong belief in the southwest France that Mary Magdalene, often betrayed with the anointing jar, came there after leaving Jerusalem. Although many churches have proclaimed to have her remains, none have been able to conclusively been proved as authentic. Oh, no, no. Remember, she's, with, she's in that lost tomb of Jesus cave. Remember? Oh, she... I mean, a lot of these theories contradict each other, if you think about it. Lost tomb of Jesus says Jesus and Mary Magdalene are on the same cave. Well, that would contradict this. For decades, rumors have grown up that she might have been secretly buried in an unmarked tomb in or near the small village of Rennes-les-Châteaux by families descended from her bloodline. If Mary Magdalene's body is buried there, it confirms that that the man claiming to represent the prior of Zion implied. He said that the order does possess irrefutable body of evidence. When we pushed him to say if he meant that he had remains, he refused to comment further. See, God's only going to let this information be disseminated when he says it's so. Even the devil has to get permission. And it's part of the strong delusion. If Mary, um, It's too early to say, but it's possible that the body of evidence could very well be an actual body. We set out to find the truth wherever it led. Oh yeah, you set out to find the truth in your dreams. You set out to find lies wherever way you could find them is what you should be saying. Why is there no, why is there so much smoke if there was no fire behind it at all? Oh, isn't that high and lofty? Let's start to wax poetic, possibly to burst into a sonnet or maybe a haiku. If the Priory of Zion and all its claims were a hoax, why did they do it? Why did they do it? Well, who was behind the Priory of Zion? The devil? Yeah, I'd say so. Why did they do it? Because they're going to do whatever they can to discredit the, the, the deity of Jesus Christ. That's why they did it. Because they were doing as their Father would have them do. Of their works they will do. That's what Jesus even said. If your Father's the devil, of his works you will do. That's what they were doing. They're more zealous about their mission than most Christians are. They're more zealous about promoting their man-made, false, satanic religion than most Christians are, are ever promoting theirs. At the heart of our film is the contact Bruce had with two men who claimed to be representing the prior Zion today. Ooh. And that they spoke with the order's blessings. Mm. Oh, is that so? The time they said had come to reveal certain information. In a series of meetings and communications, they revealed a great deal of what they said was the prior's true history. Their raison d'etre. Their mission. Sorry, I'm really starting to wax Frenchy today. I, I'm, I'm good at French. Um, I'm self-proclaimed good at French. Sorry. They revealed that there is evidence for the marriage of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. That the Order does possess absolute proof of this. They said that the Order has guarded a body of evidence down through the centuries. Well, isn't that what the supposed Knights Templar were all about? Guarding of the of the Grail. Regarding the secrets of the Grail. The Knights Templar. Oh, okay, great. One of the most highest, secretest, most satanic societies of all time. Their symbol are two men riding on a horse, basically naked. What do you think that might represent? And they got a shield. It represents sodomy. Two men sodomizing each other on a horse, but looking looking like we're we're chivalrous knights. That's what that's what the Knights Templar were all about. Did you know that? That's their symbol. Look at it. Go look it up. Here. If you say, well, how do I find out the symbol? 
Well, look up Knights Templar and then say symbol on the internet. Here's another thing that you can do. If you go up on the internet, and if you have like Yahoo, and I don't know if Google has this or not, you can go up there and they have an option where you can actually search for pictures for that keyword search. And if they don't have that option, what you do is you put the word picture, and then you put the word in quotes Knights Templar. It'll give you pictures. You can actually click on all the pictures or what it means. So if you don't believe what I'm saying, that's what you can do. Okay, they said that the order has guarded the body of evidence after the centuries. The meetings with these men were just the start of an avalanche of information, Doug. How wonderful. So you think that, you say as a Christian, well, you know something, I don't care what you say, Brother Johnson. I'm not going to give the devil any glory. I'm not going to get into this stuff. I'm not going to mess with any of this. Well, that's fine, you know, because someday, someday real soon, you're going to have to deal with this. You're going to have to deal with this, whether you like it or not. Either you're going to fall away, and, and, and your true colors are going to be revealed, if they aren't already, or you're going to have to get right with God and deal with this, and ask yourself, who have I believed in? Do I believe on the Son of God? Do I believe in Jesus Christ and who He says He is and what He did and what He said and what His Word says? His death, burial, and resurrection? Am I saved through faith in Him? Or am I going to let all this shake my faith? Am I going to fall away? The Bible says many are going to fall away. It says that many are going to be offended and the love of many are going to wax cold. It says if it were possible, even the very elect would be saved. Oh, well, now you're depressing me. Who's going to get saved? Well, consider yourself in a privileged position that you're getting told this position, this, this information, prior to this avalanche of information that we're going to have shoved down our throat. Prior to, probably, the persecution that's coming. Because if this is widely, widely accepted... And the Antichrist comes on the scene. He's going to he's going to demand absolute devotion to him. So you better find out. You better make your stand. You better choose this day whom you're going to serve because you're going to be put in a position where you're going to have to choose. If it requires death, then you're going to have to choose death because you do not want to deny Christ. If you're really truly born again, and I'm not saying now you're saved through works, but I'm saying if the Holy Spirit really lives inside you, you may have to face that decision one of these days. And God will give you the strength in that day to do what you have to do. Okay? I'm not saying you're going to be big and bad, and you're going to do all this, and for whatever befalls you, and you're going to do it of your own strength. You have to do it through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible also says, The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. And he did take Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah before they rained down fire and brimstone. So, bear in mind, there's a balance in Scripture, okay? I'm not saying that we just all should go to the... try to get martyred as soon as we can, okay? So there's a balance here. So let's, let's make sure that we maintain this balance with, um, with the Bible. So anyway, that's all I have for today. I've got a lot more to cover, but it's going to have to wait till next week. And... Um, Let's go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for all your goodness, all your mercy, for the Lord Jesus Christ, for what he did on the cross to save our souls. Lord, We're not worthy of this in the name of Jesus Christ. But nevertheless, the work on the cross has been done. Satan has been defeated. Jesus took captivity captive and he has the keys. But we have to go through heaven to heaven through Jesus Christ, through His shed blood, through His death, burial, and resurrection. I pray God, anyone listening 
to this message this day, I pray to God that their souls would be saved. For which you will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Lord, I, I just do pray that you, you save their souls, Lord. I pray that you would forgive us for any and all sins that we have committed in any way, shape, and form. That you would wipe our slate clean. That the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. That you would cleanse us from secret sins and presumptuous sins. That they would not have dominion over us. That we would put on the full armor of God on every day. So that we would be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. For we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness, and high places. These evil entities are where our true battle is and we know that these evil entities are behind this information that I'm putting forth this day I pray to God in the name of Jesus Christ that these evil entities that their wicked works that these wicked heresies be exposed in the name of Jesus Christ I pray to God for your judgment upon them and even upon the people that promulgate these for Lord God if you don't judge them in this life there'll be no hope for them in the next that Lord God they would get right with God and they would turn to you with all their heart, and that they would get saved, and they would be ministers of righteousness, not ministers of the devil. I pray, Lord God, for your fear to be upon this world, upon all the people listening to this message, upon the church that calls itself the church and is not, in the name of Jesus Christ, and even upon the true believers. And that that fear would drive us closer to you every day. We can do nothing about apart from you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we are nothing apart from you. And I pray to God that we would be humble and teachable and willing vessels before you, Lord. And Lord, we love you. We pray you bring us back at the next appointed time. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.